name is Josh Hudgens and this is my wife Dusty Hudgens. And we felt like that and we needed to tell our story which does not begin at the stroke. It begins in 1999 in Jolton when she worked at Subway and we started dating. And we decided we were going to get married in 2004 called Chris. In 2003, told him that we were going to get married and invite him to our wedding because Josh and Chris were good friends. And he told us about 24 Church, so we started 24 Church at the thought phase of it before it even actually launched. Um, and we have been active members of 24 Church since 2005 when the church first started. We have served at the church faithfully, we've worked in kids' ministry. Josh has served on all different aspects, from greeter to check-in to passing out Bibles. I mean, you name it, you've pretty much done it, right? I was a part of the moving shakers. We used to set up Saturday night. And tear yeah. down on Sunday. Yep. We would spend hours at the church, you know. We'd get there probably about five and stay until about midnight. It's really what the church needed at that point. Josh and I both have huge servant hearts. We love to serve. I loved working with three and four year olds. I've worked with five and six year olds. Um, it's just what we do, right? We just love to serve. Any way we can help, we love to help. The qualities and the characteristics that Jesus has changed me in my heart to open the door for me to, to serve as a Active, active deacon here at 24. Jerry's shooting me right now with your own phone. Yes, say hi real loud. Hello. And in the beginning, we all had titles. I'm a deacon. I'm the deacon over benevolence. And my title was given deacon over benevolence. But really, if you think about it, it's really all of our titles. I just love people. And I try to help them any way I can. Josh has got one of the hearts that if you're hurting, he's hurting. Someone is hurting, he's truly hurting. So he has cried when other people have hurt in their lives. He's, um, he's picked strangers up off the road and driven them to Kentucky and I'll call him and I'll be like, what are you doing? I'm taking a friend home. Who is the friend? I don't know, just a friend. <laughs> okay, thanks. <laughs> so, um, He's always the first one to pull over and change a tire. If somebody's on the side of the road, he'll stop. Just willing to do anything he can to help. Which kind of cascades it into the next chapter of our story. We fostered a few kids. We've uh, had a couple of kids of our own. We adopted Juniper and she was a drug addicted baby. So she, had, she was an NAS baby. And many people here at this church has watched us go through all these struggles in our life. And then in 2020, Josh had a massive hemorrhagic stroke on September 27th of 2020. I found him on the bathroom floor. And at that moment is when we went from being an able family to a disabled family.
Dusty said that you know, the stroke put an end to what we knew it as life and, and what God has done through it. He's, he showed up beyond what we could ever imagine. Can you wave to them so they can see you? Woo, that's good. In a lot of ways, we feel like we were. The stroke happened at the best part of our life, the best time of our life, not the best part of our life, but the best time of our life. And in a lot of ways, we feel like it was meant to happen. And that's hard to say, because it's, it's a huge traumatic thing to happen, but it was, it was meant to happen for us. Right. Yeah, I believe I'm supposed to wear this, this suit with honor because it has, it has been placed on me. And I do my very best to get out of bed and make sure people see Jesus. Welcome Josh and Dusty Hudgens to the stage, if y'all don't mind. Like I said, uh, they have, uh, and like they said, they've been with us uh, since the very beginning of 24. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I, I had, I've got a kind of a special place because I, I've known Josh for a long time. Josh and I used to work together at the machine shop that he owns now. Uh, you know, and uh, lots of stories, lots of memories of kudas and cobras and all kinds of things and hanging out at gas stations, which is where... <laughs> He met her uh, working <laughs> working at the subway when the subway was in the when it was in uh, chips at Jolton uh, at the BP right there at the light and uh, that's where we would drag race to the bridge. But uh, anyway, <laughs> not we. Other people did that, right? Uh, yeah. But uh, anyway, anyway, yeah. And uh, but uh, I feel like I could take like some kind of credit for you meeting her since like I was always pushing for us to hang out at the gas station. Well, that's the plan. <laughs> Um, right, right. <laughs> and, uh, and so when we, when God was leading us to start a church and we began to, to talk with people and, and pray with people, it was still on the DL. I still, you know, when you've got, it's kind of a weird thing when you feel led to go somewhere else in ministry, you can't just like announce immediately what's going on always. Sometimes you can, but sometimes you kind of got to play it close to the chest because you're still somewhere else and you want to be faithful to uh, your calling at the place that God's put you in that moment in time. And so uh, there was a lot of people that didn't know at that point in time that we had, we were going to be starting a church. Well, then they called, like they said, about the wedding. Uh, I don't I couldn't even come to the wedding. I, I think we were going to a camp or something uh, when I was a student pastor. Uh, and so I couldn't get out of it. And, uh, but anyway, I, I, I told them, I was like, Hey, uh, can't be there, but I was going to talk to you guys anyway, when we move back here in a couple months, they're like, you're moving back and told them about the deal. And, and so they've been with us from, from the get go. And, uh, uh, I just love these folks and, uh, they're near and dear, uh, to my heart, uh, uh, dusty, uh, the, if anything was ever ordained, it was Josh being married to dusty. Uh, and so, uh, and, and anybody that knows anything about their life would agree with that. Uh, dust dusty is a, is a strong person. Uh, she's a strong personality. Uh, my nickname for her is sandpaper, uh, because she did, she's going to tell it. 
doesn't care. She's going to tell it, you know, how it is. So, uh, but I love that about her. I've never had to wonder what's on her mind. She just tells me, you know, and... Uh, uh, she doesn't have to wonder what's on my mind either. <laughs> Josh, Josh doesn't spend much time wondering either. Uh, but, um, you know, I, I would say... Um, you know, that's part of, part of how the Lord has brought you all through this. Uh, I'm sure Josh could probably attest to, there's probably moments that you felt like um, that you didn't want to keep going through this. And, and what did she say? Get up. <laughs> <laughs> We've got some stories in the last two years, definitely. She, 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 has, not, she has not backed off uh, at all. Um, what, uh, tell, tell us something about uh, your life that has surprised you after the stroke. Like, what's, what, what's something that has kind of changed in life that you were surprised by? The recovery. Mm-hmm. I had always thought that, that folks had suffered massive strokes, that, uh, you know, that was it. You know, that you're going to have to just, you know, give up. But, through uh, God's grace and through His mercy, He has proven all the doctors and me wrong. There was a, you know, to, to go back to when this initially happened, and I, I will never forget that day. Um, it was during the middle of COVID, you know, whatever, you know, and all that just craziness and. You're not supposed to go into hospitals and all that kind of stuff, you know, during that moment in time. We had, uh, we had just started back to meeting as a church in person, but because the construction project had overtaken everything here, we had gone back to being a mobile church at uh, Pleasant View Christian. They were allowed us to use their facility. Uh, and it was, uh, it was shortly after that afternoon, on Sunday afternoon, I got a phone call uh, that something was going on. Uh, and so, you know, I, you know, and the first thing in my head was they're not going to let me in the hospital. And then the second thing in my head was like, they're going to let me in that hospital. Um, and, uh, and, and I just, I, and honestly, I made, I made a mistake in that. I, I automatically assumed that Dusty was there, uh, at the hospital and I, I flew down to the hospital. Not really. He did. He literally flew down there. Yeah. Uh, and uh, and I, I'm standing in the parking lot with her on the phone while I'm watching Lifelight come in with him overhead. I actually beat him there. Uh, but, um, you know, the, the big thing that stands out to me that day outside of all that was at the end of that day, probably I'm going to guess around 9, 10 o'clock that night, we're, we're, we are in a waiting room. Yeah. In, inside this hospital that you're not supposed to be in. And at this point, there's 13 of us yeah. that have gotten into this hospital. We were sneaking people in and security was being called. <laughs> Some of you ran from security. <laughs> I won't name you by name, Shadowans. Yeah. Uh, but um, anyway, uh, you know, and, and, and there came a point, and that even this is just being honest, I'm not trying to be overdramatic, there came a point in that where we all stood up and, and we found out that people here at 24 had gathered uh, in the parking lot to pray. And I was getting video and photos and, you know, some of those kinds of things beginning to share it in the room. And I said, you know, I think it would be right for us to pray now as well. And so we all stood up. And the only thing I remember saying, um, you know, was just that, uh, and this is tr- a true statement, that they, they believed, the doctors believed that he was not going to make it. And that's why they were gracious to us to allow us to get in there, uh, the ones that they allowed in there. 
Uh, and, um, and so, and I told them, I said, look, they, they don't believe he's going to make it. But I, I say we pray and ask the Lord to do otherwise. And so we prayed. And uh, I mean, just what a miracle, you know, of what the Lord has done uh, in your life. Um, what, uh, what's, tell, us, tell us just a little about uh, the struggle of what this has been like for you guys. Daily, daily ins and outs. And because of the struggle, I'm left with left side deficits. You know, my left My leg is paralyzed, and my arm is paralyzed, and I have vision problems and I cannot drive. Issues. And early on in the beginning, in the hospital, I could not swallow. And so speech therapy worked and worked and worked. And I was able to pass the swallow test. It just step one and didn't have to come home. Definitely. <laughs> <laughs> it's been a lot of steps. Yes. A lot, a lot of laps around this building. <laughs> You can probably count all the lines around the concrete. <laughs> I know what everything was. <laughs> and then you put the fence in with a little knob, and he's like, that's a one-handed man's nightmare. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> so, yeah. we'll, we'll, blame, we'll blame Dave for that. <laughs> I understand why. <laughs> oh, man. Keep it taller, you know? Yeah. <laughs> Not yours, though. She'd never run off. She could climb a fence. What what about from your standpoint? How is this what what's been some of the toughest parts of this for you? For us there's there's been a lot of tough parts. I mean I think the isolation and the aloneness has been real hard Mm -hmm. in a lot of ways. Um just a slow recovery. Like, there's days where you feel like it's never going to be over, you know? Like, it's just always just trying so hard to get through each day. Um, those are just some of the struggles. But, I mean, there's there's a lot we could go on and on, I'm sure. But <laughs> we've got a lot of struggles. Yeah. I mean, at first it was two hours just to get your shirt on, you know? Because it was crooked or backwards or you were putting your head in your armhole. or um, And we've gotten past all of that. But... Now it's about 30 minutes. We've got down to about 30 minutes. So there's still a lot of anxiety issues with him. Um, he has a lot of anxiety and stuff like that. But, you know, other than that, he's doing good. I'd say from where we came from. There's a lot of thankfulness that we have. Because, I mean, when you're, when you're at ground level and you, all you can do is get a toe to wiggle, anything you get back, mm-hmm. you're thankful for at mm-hmm. that point. Yeah, there was there was a moment in time I can't even remember how long it felt like eternity, where we were just we were just looking for a response, just waiting for a response. Uh, his brain had swollen. Uh, they were so concerned. We were so concerned. And then, like you said, I, I remember just any any little message for a while was just like you know we got a toe wiggle, yeah, you know, thumbs up. We got we got a Josh give us a thumbs up, and then like a video of it, you know, and then it's like it's going viral, yeah. you know. <laughs> Amongst us, it was anyway. Yeah. So, what uh, what have what have you seen God do through all of this? God has opened our eyes to the world of disability in a huge way. There's things that now just drive me crazy that 
I never even thought about before, you know. Um, but through that, I think God is really urging us to start some kind of ministry for disabled people. Mm-hmm. And just put our hand out and say, hey, we've survived this, we've been through it, and we want to help you get through it. It's the biggest thing. What have you seen God do through this? Same thing she she just said. We were able to go to a disability camp in uh, Alabama, you know, this past summer, and it really opened our eyes. Because Dusty's my caregiver, there's no birth. And she's running the business now. And uh, for her to have a break, and I mean, this camp is unbelievable. Because when you pull in, people know your name. And they greet you with such such open arms. It's, you know, it's just a little, a little bit of glimpse of heaven. And each family is paired with what they call a CC, passionate caregiver. And uh, ours, you know, his name is Greg Hill. And everybody that volunteers at this camp, you know, we all go through the same stuff. You know, Greg's family. He was, uh, he accidentally went over his kid and went a more, cut his feet off. And it took him about six to eight years before he could transition from being a camper into a caregiver. But he was there from the day one. We butted up, and still to this day, you know, we talk almost every day. And just the friendships that you create. I got another friend that I met down there, Luis Sanchez. You know, he lives in New York. You know, his, his stepdaughter goes through, uh, I forget what it is, Dustin. What's that? I think she has fun, but I'm not sure. But, you know, you know, it's just a camp to where. You know, it's a network of friends and people to where you can reach out and just say, hey, man, you know, we got you, you know, we love you, we care for you. And that's kind of what we want to do here. You know, it's just reach out into the community, you know, because, you know, the reality of it is about 20 to 25% of the community is disabled, but because of, you know, the oscillation you know, they can't get to church. The obstacles at church, too. A lot of churches are handicap accessible. So, and thankfully, we have a church here that is handicap accessible. So, why not open the doors and say, come, we want to love you, we want to show you that we want to carry your burdens alongside of you. So, but... Even if it is just having dinner with them. Yeah. You know, once a month, you know? You know, that's all. It just really means a lot to somebody that's at home all the time. It's isolated, yeah. The, the thing about disability, you know, and we learned a lot when we went to camp um, because, you know, we went through our own disability and our own struggles, but when you go to camp and you're in Bible study with these families and then you see their struggles and their experiences, it opened your eyes to, man, I never thought of that. So when we went to camp, <clears throat> going through the gate, these people had, basically you have to pay to volunteer at camp. It's not free. Here you volunteer for free, right? You just volunteer your time. 
There you have to pay money to go. You have to sign up, pay money to participate, to volunteer. The disabled people get to go to camp for free, so it was free for us. Um, so you know these people have paid money, they've taken time off work, so going into camp, you're already very humbled because these people care enough about you and they don't even know you to, one, pay money to come, two, take off time from work. So we go into camp and there was like hundreds of people lined up on both sides of our vehicle screaming and yelling at us, telling us that we were loved and that we belonged and that um, we were meant to be there. And coming from a time where you were isolated and you were alone and you have friends that reach out and say, hey, we're going to have a cookout, but we can't even get into their house, to this world that everything was made accessible for you, um, it was just a huge jump for me. And so as we were going through and everybody made these signs and I was looking at these signs when we got to the very end of the area where they greeted us, um, I looked over at Josh and I was like, I'm pretty sure that's what heaven's going to be like. Like when we get there, they're going to be screaming and shouting and thankful that we're there. And um, we go into our cabin, they unload our car. And from the moment that we got there, I did not fix a plate. I did not, um, I didn't do anything. I didn't even push Josh in his wheelchair. His CC pushed him the entire time. He was at our room at 8 o'clock in the morning to pick Josh up to take him to breakfast. And to have that relief of like, that weight is off of me is huge for any caregiver. And to feel comfortable enough because they read through our paperwork, they took the time and invested the time to read through our paperwork and know what we had going on, what we didn't have going on, um, what they could do, what they couldn't do. It wasn't that they were nurses and they were doctors, they just were people that cared enough to find out enough about us to minister to us in that way and at that level. And I think for both of us, it was just, I mean, like, we were in shock for probably the first three days of, like, what in the world, you know? Um, and then as we got meeting other families, we met several families who, one family had triplets at 20 weeks, which is not viable for life. Um, and so all three of their kids had severe disabilities from this. We're talking, you know, breathing problems, walking problems, just all kinds of disabilities. And after we met several families like this who had multiple kids with disabilities, I came home on Friday night after camp and I was just crying and I couldn't get it together. And I told Josh, I said, you know, I never thought about this. I've served in kids ministry for 16 years and never once have thought, well, I don't, I've never had a disabled child in my room. Why is that? If 26% of Americans by the CDC guidelines was disabled, why have I never had one in my room? And if I did have one in my room, would I even know how to react or how to take care of them? And so um, I think that's where our heart is going is how can we put people in place and things in place to start a ministry in our church and say, we are here, we are going to love on you, and we, are, we want to know about you, and we want to be that person that comes alongside of you, and we want to have other people that can possibly be your survival God. Because at that time, that's what I was looking for. When Josh had his stroke, I didn't know where to turn. I didn't know anybody that had a stroke. I didn't know anybody that had kids with a stroke. And, and I was looking for a survival God, and I stumbled upon these people um, who ran this camp. And so, because they had a stroke and they had kids also. So, but. Our names are Tay and Catherine Wolf. Yeah. They've written a couple of books. Mm hmm. Several Strong and Hope Hills. Mm hmm. And we, we bought both their books and we read them together. And I had seen them on TV probably 10 years prior to Josh having a stroke, just by happenstance. It was God things, pretty sure. And so, 
seen them on TV and they're just kind of stuck in the back of my head. And then, um, yeah, when Josh had a stroke, they were the first people I thought of. I've seen this before. So, anyway. But yeah, camp was amazing. On the last night of camp, they had a Luke 14 banquet. And um, we all gathered at the table and anointed each other with oil. And it was pretty amazing. It was a really good experience. Um, and it was, it was even good for our children. You know, our kids were very hesitant about going to camp. And I was hesitant because, you know, as kids with able bodies, you're going to throw them into this community of disabled people with you know, wheelchairs and feeding tubes and all these other things, um, some verbal, some nonverbal, and um, I just didn't know how they would react. And then our, both of our kids were like, when are we going back to camp? Like, they absolutely loved it. They took it full force. Um, and I think that because we were in a community of just nothing but disabled people, it wasn't abnormal. Do you know what I mean? Like, here, everybody's able body. It is a little different. Um, but there, it was not abnormal. So it was just everybody genuinely loved and cared on each other. And I think that's our biggest thing, is we just want to help people come to church first and foremost and say, hey, we are a disabled church and we can accommodate you, but then also we want to love on you. We want to help you carry your burdens, because they're heavy. You hear the gospel. Mm -hmm. You see the gospel. So through, so through this, I mean, really, the you know one of the things that really is sticking out here to you guys, and I already knew this, was that you guys feel the Lord leading for you guys to help us as a church try to figure out what's it look like for us to minister to that 20%, 30%, whatever it is uh, that's out there in our community, and especially kids. <clears throat> that, that we know that there's probably a lot of kids out there that parent that have parents that don't feel like that there is anywhere that they can go to church because the churches can't take them. They can't help them or, right. you know, take care of them or whatever. Well, oh. when you're a caregiver, you don't want to put your burden off on somebody else. So, like, you have to be... With them. You have to be a lot like what Hope Hills was for us. They were, like, over, you know what I mean? Like, let us take this, you know, like, trust us. Um, and that's the way it has to be because you just, you get so used to doing everything on your own. People will ask and you're like, no, I got it. Because you don't want any... When you've experienced trauma, you're just waiting for the next trauma to happen, in a way. Yeah. And so you're just like trying to keep everything in this little area, and it's hard to let go. Yeah. It's really hard to let go. Um, so we don't have this figured out. Uh, <laughs> Not at all. <laughs> but but today as a church, we start praying toward what does it look like? And you go, you, if you're thinking like me, you're like, Chris, we're already praying about like three other ministries that we're trying to figure out, like, how are we going to do these things? I, I know. Uh, but I think the Lord's putting this in front of us uh, on purpose. And I think if we ignore it, I think, I think we're stupid uh, and not listening to him. Uh, you know, so uh, I don't want, I don't want to do that. Um, uh, you you guys mentioned, I, I want to get this part, uh, you guys mentioned that you felt like this happened at the perfect time, at the right time, that this was a part, a part of God's plan. What, what, tell us what you mean by that. It's a long explanation, I feel like. Um, the short of it, anyway. Okay. Um, at the time that Josh had a stroke, <laughs> if it would have happened six months prior, we probably would have lost everything we had. It would have happened six months after. I don't know if we would have lost everything we had, but everything in our life lined up perfectly for us to be prepared for it as, as much as we could be, I guess, financially, so we didn't lose our house, so we didn't lose everything that we owned. Um, and 
it was just like God just kept putting everybody in place. Like when Josh had a stroke, there was many of you women from the church came and sat with my kids. I didn't have a calendar. I just knew somebody was going to be at my house at one o'clock or two o'clock for me to go and just spend a few hours with Josh because that's all I had with him a day. Um, because during COVID, nobody could go in. I was the only visitor that he could have. Um, and so it was, I mean, they just, they just showed up. Meals came, like, for 60 days. This wasn't just for, this wasn't just for three days. This was for 60 days. For two months, the church carried us, really, and wholeheartedly in so many ways. Um, and then, you know, even after that, just things that, that just keep happening. It's like, you can just look at it and say, well, that's a God thing, you know? It's totally a God thing. Because there's no, absolutely no reason why we should still be where we are when 26% of Americans are disabled. They're also the highest minority of group that is suicidal, homeless, um, you name it. I mean, it's, it's just where it is. I mean, any kind of disability is, is trauma. It really is, it's just trauma. Whether you have a child born with a disability at birth, that's traumatic because you were expecting something different, possibly. Um, and Or whether you're in a car wreck or whether you have a stroke. It's all very traumatic. I know that one of the things that um, you kind of you guys have come away from with this is um, that by and large people are not really educated uh, with uh, things around them, everyday things. If you were to educate uh, us as a church uh, about one or two things, quick, what what would they be? <clears throat> do you want to take it, or do you want me to take it? I will say it. <laughs> the handicapped park spots. Uh, for obvious reasons, but I did I didn't know this, but like when you pull into a handicapped parking spot, you know, you have a blue placard. Uh, but if you look on the side or beside the uh, parking spot, you know, you have these little lines. Lines, those are for uh van accessible or Live entry, yes, and for walkers, canes, things right. of that need to where you would need to open the door all the way to get that person in or out of that vehicle. Because a regular parking spot, you can't do it. <laughs> you yeah, just can't. Yeah. Um, I guess hard for me to get in, and I mean, thank goodness I don't have to have a wheelchair anymore. Yeah, not all the time. Sometimes right. we do. Not yeah, for long, long time. We're going to pull up the live cameras right now of our handicapped parking spots to see who's parked in them. <laughs> It'll be us. It'll be us. It's going to be a church ticket. And then we're going to let, we're going to sick Dusty on them. No, 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 no. 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 I did get on my dad on Father's Day about parking in the handicapped spot. So there you go. So I, I don't discriminate. <laughs> But, um, no, handicaps are pain, bathrooms are pain. Just, you know, if, if there's one thing I can explain to people is if you ever had to walk in a disabled body's, a disabled person's life, um, you would have such a greater sense of time because it takes us a long time to get anywhere, to do anything. Um, it's just, it's very time-consuming. And so you just have to slow way down. There is no, like, let's hurry up and get there. It's, it's going to be a while. Like, it's wheelchair time. Wheelchair time, yeah. Wheelchair time. Um, but, and it's a real thing. But, you know, the other thing would be, um, I think that a lot of people are, they look past or beyond a disabled person because they don't want to offend them by looking at them. 
And I can say in our experience, that's the worst thing to do. I know that you don't want to offend. I know you don't want to um, stare or whatever, but it's okay to ask them, what's going on? What's your story? Most of them want to tell you their story. They want to share with you their experience. Um, it's more hurtful for you to just turn away or not act like you see them because they are people and they do need to be seen. So just the greeters here, y'all don't understand what you're doing just by saying hello, especially to somebody who's like Josh, who 90% of people just look in the other direction because they don't want to stare. Um, so it's just important just to, just to meet those people where they are and say, hey, I see you. I'm here with you. I'm here for you. Share your story with me. I want to know about you. Um, and that's really what we spent the whole week at camp doing. I mean, I literally, everybody I walked up to, I was like, what's your story? Why are you here? I didn't feel like I was going to offend somebody because if somebody asked us, I think we would be open enough to tell it, you know. Um, I think it's more important to see the person. And this is disabled or able bodies. We need to just slow down and say, hey, we see you. We want to hear your story. We want to be a part of your life. Um, we want to share in your struggles. What would you say to somebody that's struggling today? I may, maybe it's not even disability, but they're, maybe they're going through something really hard. You, you have been through some really hard days. What would you say to that person? Plug into a good, good church. Mm-hmm. Get to know the people in the community. But you cannot go through life alone. God didn't create us to do that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think the biggest thing also with this disabled ministry, and, and I guess this is my heart speaking, I don't know if it's his, but as a disabled person, you feel like there's so much you can't do. Everything's been taken away from you in a lot of ways. Um, and if, if we can find jobs, hey, we can meet you at your level and you can do this and you can give back to your community, that's the important thing, right? Josh, no, Josh can't go build a house and no, he can't do a lot of things, but he could call people. And he can say, hey, I'm praying for you. And, you know, I want to just talk to you on the phone. We all have the ability to do something. But so many of us don't want to share our time. And we've got to get better at sharing our time. You know, we've got to say, we're going to put ourselves last. And we are going to sacrifice. And we're going to give till it hurts. And that's one of the things I've learned through this is giving till it hurts. I've got a clock in my living room. Josh bought it for me 10 years ago. And on the face of the clock, I painted it white, painted the face black, and on the face of it I wrote over and over, love is sacrifice, because at that time we were wanting to adopt. It's 10 years ago. And um, that clock, every day when I sit down in my living room, I look at that clock and I'm like, man, those words have never been truer, because that's exactly what it is. No matter if it's your marriage, if it's your friendships, if it's just your church, you've got to sacrifice, you've got to give till it hurts. Here, here's the, here's a, here's a little nugget of joy for you. So Josh is one of our deacons here at the church, and uh, we we meet once a month and and whatnot, and uh, uh, most, <laughs> most he is going to tell the story. Most most of us, I don't know, I don't know which one you're thinking. I'm going to tell. We'll see. Uh, but um, anyway, uh, you know, I mean, if anybody gets a a pass in life to just like, hey, I'm not going to do anything. Maybe it's you know, being in a situation like this, I don't know. Uh, but he refuses to do that. Uh, and in fact, not only does he refuse to do it, he refuses to let anybody else do it. <laughs> and so, so one, one, uh, one week for deacons being, and not everybody, not, every, not all the deacons show up every month, and that's okay, people get busy, whatever. But there was one night that they did. 
And it's because he called all of them. He did. And he said, hey, I'm just reminding you, deacons minions tonight, I'll see you there. Yeah. He's like, I'm going to be there. You going to be there? And they all were like, yeah. And then when they got here, everybody was sitting in the room and they were like, did you get called by Josh? And they're like, yeah. <laughs> because when the guy that can't hardly walk calls you and says, I'll see you at the meeting tonight, you're like, okay, <laughs> I'll be there. Um, for real though, I know, I know personally, just because he's sharing, I hope he doesn't mind me saying this. I know that there was even one night in Deacon's meeting that he looked at us. It may have been that night or a different night, and he said something to the degree of, you know, guys, I just don't even know that I'm really, uh, you even should be a deacon anymore or not. And, and I, I, I just looked at him. I was like, are you crazy? I was like, you, and, and I feel this way, like on behalf of the deacons, I present to you this half-used bottle of water as deacon of the year. I mean, like, for real. Like, I mean, you know, he... He has challenged us in ways that we've needed to be challenged, and when he speaks, we listen, uh, because he has much wisdom, uh, and it comes because he's trusted in the Lord, and he's trusting in the Lord through these moments that a lot of us would just say, I mean, you know, we'll whine about, you know, whatever as an excuse to not follow the Lord through something, you know, and he's over here like pushing, all right, we got to, come on, we got to keep going or whatever. Um, and, uh, just, and, and it reminds me, and I want to share this passage. Are you guys okay hanging out while I teach today? You won't feel awkward? Okay. I, I want to share this passage of Scripture with you uh, briefly here out of Mark chapter 2. And in Mark chapter 2, we have this passage, and maybe you know this passage, maybe you don't. And it's four guys who take their friend to Jesus. Uh, and it says this, it says in, in verse 1, it says, And when he returned to Capernaum, after some days it was reported that he was at home, talking about Jesus was at home, uh, and many were gathered together. We don't see that a whole lot, by the way, which I think is interesting. And many were gathered together, so there was no more room, not even at the door. And he was preaching the word to them, and they came bringing to him a paralytic carried by four men. And when he could not get near him, when they could not get near him, uh, because of the crowd, they removed the roof above him, and when they had made an opening, they let down the bed in which the paralytic lay. And when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven. Now some of the scribes were sitting there questioning in their hearts, Why does this man speak like that? He is blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? And immediately Jesus perceived in his spirit that they thus questioned within themselves, said to them, why do you question these things in your hearts? Which is easier to say to the paralytic, your sins are forgiven, or to say, rise and take up your bed and walk? But, what, but that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins, he said to the paralytic, I say to you, rise, pick up your bed and go home. And he rose and immediately picked up his bed and went out before them so that all were amazed and glorified God, saying, we never saw anything like this. You know, it, here's the truth. People get in the way. People get in the way. Sometimes, sometimes we get in our own way, but, but sometimes people get in the way, and sometimes we allow people to get in the way of us getting even to Jesus. And that's what we see in this story. I mean, there's, if, you, if you really look at the story, there's, there's a ton of people there. Great. Fantastic. 
Is it possible that some of them are in the way? Yeah, absolutely. Here's, here's a guy who, who four friends are literally bringing, and I, you know, I would think you know, maybe they might like part the seas for, the, you know, for these friends to bring their friend to Jesus, but that's not the case. They're too busy standing, sitting, judging. We've got scribes in here. You know, here's the scribes. You know, what are they doing? They're, they're questioning everything Jesus says. Doesn't that you know, sound like people that we know sometimes? Uh, you know, and it's real easy for us as, as people, as a whole, to just go, you know what, we're, we're just going to, you know, it's not worth it. It's not worth the fight. It's not worth the fight to go to church. It's not worth the fight to be a part of a body of believers. Listen, it is worth the fight. It is worth the fight for us to be here for one another, for us to bring people, push people to Jesus. Those scribes, what do they say? Why does he speak like that? Who can forgive sins but God alone? What they didn't realize was that he was God. He is God. Jesus is God. You know, and, and so, you know, that's the crazy part is that's what Jesus is saying. He's like, oh, so you don't believe I'm the son of man, right? Okay, well, let me just show you what I'm going to do now. Okay, you don't think that saying that his sins are forgiven enough? Uh, okay, well, that's fine. Uh, I'll just say, rise, pick up your bed and go home. You know, that's our Jesus. That's our Savior. That's the guy who came, gave his life, stretched his arms out on the cross, and gave up his blood and his life that we might have life even after death. It's amazing what Christ has done for us. And I think for us to be reminded today, and even just you know the challenging pieces of the puzzle here that we don't know the answers to, what's it look like for us to have a disabled ministry here? What's it look like for us to have a team of people that might be ready uh, at the doors every Sunday morning or even during the week doing different things to minister to families that have special needs coming in? How can we love on them? How can they feel that we care about them like Jesus has cared about us. We can't be the people that are standing or sitting in the way. We have to be, we have to be the four friends. We have to be the friends willing to do whatever it takes to get them to Jesus. What these guys do, they, first of all, they, they carried the guy, they brought him, okay, they removed the roof to let him in. They probably, it was probably made of like mud and all kinds of stuff, and they literally probably dug through it, which had to have been pretty interesting. Whoever owned the house, I don't know. I'm sure they were loving that that day. Uh, you know, but, uh, uh, and, and so then they take him up there and lower him down before Jesus, and they had faith. They had faith. They weren't doing this as like a, you know, Hail Mary, like last call, you know, we're just going to, we got one, one shot left, let's try this, we've tried everything else. We don't see anything about that. They had faith. You say, Chris, how do we know that they had faith? Because Jesus saw it. It said he saw their faith. When, verse 5, and when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, son, your sins are forgiven. Their faith drove them to see this through. And so really, again, like every other message I'll ever preach in my life, it always comes back to a heart issue. Where is our faith in Jesus? Is our faith in Jesus? Or is our faith in religion? Or is, is our faith in, in the church? Or is our faith in a person? Or whatever? No, it's got, it's got to be in Jesus. 
Our faith has to be in Jesus. It has to be what drives us. Our relationship has to be what drives us. Us wanting good things to happen, as much as we want those things to happen sometimes, is not enough. We will give up. We will give out. I'll never forget. During that time period when we were mobile over at the school and the construction was going on over here and we had just finished tearing down on a Sunday... And I was done. I was just done. I was having a moment, you know? We all have these moments, right? And I was just done. I was just so tired, you know? So tired of pushing, so tired of like dragging. Felt like, you know, it's just kind of what you do sometimes as a leader is like pushing and dragging people through, you know, kind of like what you're doing with the deacons. <laughs> And I, and I come out, we, we've put everything away, we've swept the halls, we've put the chairs away, we've put the sound equipment in the trailer, all the, all the things that, you, you know, that just gets to you when you're a mobile church, and we did it for years before, and then we had, you know, it's like, oh, we're doing this nightmare all over again, you know, right? And, um, and I, I, I get my phone out, and there's a voicemail, and I had yet to talk to you in person. And the voicemail is from him checking on me, and he's in the hospital. He hasn't even come home yet, and, and I still have it. I won't delete it. It stays on my phone. Every once in a while, it, it, you know, I'll be deleting other voicemails, and it comes back up, and I'm like, there it is. I can't quit, right? You know? And, and I'm just reminded, you know, it, it's, it's not because you just want it for other people. It's because of what Jesus has done in your life. And, and that pours over into the lives of other people, and it does the same in our lives when He is real and our faith is in Him, and it's not in ourselves, okay? And not in our religion, okay? When it's Him and it's real, it changes us. And suddenly, the hard things become easier because we look at them and we say, you know what? These hard things are not as hard as I think they are. And our hope is not here. This is temporary. Everything is temporary. Jesus saw their faith. And when he saw their faith, he gave salvation to their friend. You see that in the passage? That's amazing. He didn't walk an aisle. He didn't say a prayer. He saw their faith. Maybe he, maybe he saw the paralytic's faith too. We don't know for sure. But he saw their faith for sure. And when he saw their faith, he gave him salvation. Because Jesus has the power to do that if he wants to. And so two things today. First of all, I hope that you've trusted in Jesus for that same forgiveness. Ephesians 2.8 says this. It says, For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not of your own doing. It is a gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand, beforehand that we should walk in them. By grace, through faith, not of works. We can't earn it. It is a gift. And the biggest question you've got to answer today is, have you received the gift? Have you believed in Jesus? Have you believed in him as the Son of God that died on the cross, gave his life up, rose again three days later, defeated death on our behalf that we might have life? Believe. That's all I can tell you. Believe. Believe. Trust in him today. 
If you want to talk about it, we'd love to talk to you. I'll go to the foyer after I'm done here and hang out there while uh, the band plays or whatever, uh, and, and would love to, to spend that time, you know, chatting it up about Jesus. Would love to do that. Secondly, for those of us that are already believers, today's maybe just a moment in time where we just question ourselves and just say, you know what? Who's God calling us to bring to him? Who's God calling to bring us to him? Sometimes we're so caught up in our lives and our messes that we're not thinking about the people that God has put in our lives. And the truth is, is he has put people in our lives for us to bring them to him. Then there's people that we don't even know that he's calling us to bring to him. How can we begin to do that? We pray our way through that. We pray our way through that. We don't have all the answers but we start opening our hearts and asking God to lead us and show us the opportunities and try to be faithful with them as they come and try to allow him to lead. What are we willing to do? Are we willing to climb up on the rooftops and lower them down? Are we willing to spend time with them, our precious time in the lives that we're so busy to allow them to cry on our shoulders, talk to us, tell us what's going on, love them unconditionally, unconditionally? I bet it was hard being that guy's friend sometimes. I bet it was a struggle at times. They had to carry him wherever they wanted to take him. But I'll tell you what, I'm grateful. I'm grateful that they were. I'm grateful that they loved him enough to take him to Jesus. I ask for us as a church, pray. Pray for our church as God leads us in the days ahead as we begin to pray and seek what's it look like for us to start new ministries of all kinds and this kind, uh, that he would lead us. And if you feel like God is tugging on your heart to be a part of this, talk to her. She's going to lead the thing. There you go. There you go. <laughs> um, I'm thankful for you guys. I love you, man. I love you. I love you very much. So thankful for these folks. So thankful for their testimony and their willingness to share, um, willingness to, to educate, help us see things that we're not seeing, um, and, and, and to not lie down, but to get up, even, even when it's hard. You know, it's, it's a testimony of what God has called us all to do, and we're thankful for it. People to know this in the sweetness of Jesus. Yeah. Whatever you've been through, sickness. You know, trauma, whatever. Healthy, it doesn't matter. That's it. There, there's the quote of the day. We just want people to know the sweetness of Jesus. Amen. Let's pray. God, we thank you today. Lord, we thank you in how you have challenged us. Lord, are leading us. God, I pray that we would be faithful. Lord, to follow you. God, I pray for anybody, Lord, that has never trusted in you as their Savior. God, I pray right now that you would speak to their heart. God, I pray that they could see just the, the simplicity of the gospel, the simplicity of who you are and what you've done. God, we thank you for sending your Son. We thank you for Jesus. We thank you for what he means to us. God, I pray that in the days ahead, God, that we would be a church that is faithful in following you and whatever you're leading us to do. Whatever you're calling us to do, God, I pray that you would help us in that. Help us to understand it. Help us to know it. 
God, I pray that you would move in our hearts. God, I pray that we wouldn't check in with you on the weekends. God, I pray, Lord, that we would have relationships with you, Lord, that change our lives, change our hearts, change our desires. Lord, give us opportunities, Lord, to be you to other people. And Lord, help us in the days ahead as we do so. God, I pray that we wouldn't do it, Lord, out of selfish reasons, but Lord, we'd do it for your glory. God, thank you. Thank you for Jesus. We pray all this today in his name. Amen.